Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Please pray with me. Through Lord in heaven, we ask you here, as we do week by week, to join us now in this place. And we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words now be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This week, I accidentally discovered the most pretentious possible way to start a sentence. I actually wrote it as the first sentence of the sermon. And looking at it, I was so horrified that I couldn't believe what I'd written. Uh, I found it to be so awful that I couldn't stand it. Are, are, Are you ready to hear the most pretentious way to start a sentence? Here it goes. Back when I lived in New York, (laughs) right? If you've ever known someone who used to live in New York, you know what I mean. So back when I lived in New York, and of course in my case, if I'd really started a sermon that way, if there was a true New Yorker in the congregation this morning, they would have been horrified and asked me to clarify for the record that I actually lived in New Jersey. So. Back when I lived very, very near New York, I realized an interesting thing about that city. In New York, everyone is from somewhere else. Oh, you'll get your true generational dyed-in-the-wool New Yorker now and then. You've never actually met a prouder person than the person who has lived in the same New York neighborhood for their whole life, even Texans in my experience, don't hold a candle to someone who was born in Queens, has lived their whole life in Queens, and plans to die in Queens, or the Bronx, or Harlem, or wherever. Being from New York is a thing. But many people who say they are from New York are actually from elsewhere. And not only are they from elsewhere, they came to New York specifically to get away from elsewhere. They have a hometown, but they're trying to escape from it, from whatever, from their oppressive parents, from the small town values they came from, from who they used to be. People escape to New York. But I've also lived in Pittsburgh, which is the anti-New York. In Pittsburgh, no one ever leaves. On the street that we lived on, there was more than one family who lived in a house, literally the very same house in which one of their parents had lived, and one of their parents too, and so on. In Pittsburgh, people will talk about going on vacation to a town 20 miles away across the river. (laughs) Suburban New Jersey is like that too. I'd ask someone, are you from around here? And they would quickly say, oh no, I'm from Morris County. In other words, the next county over. Sorry to break it to you, but you're from around here. (laughs) See, we have a complicated relationship with our hometowns. Some of us are proud of them and either never leave or spend a lot of time and energy trying to get back. Some of us are ashamed of them 
leave as soon as we can and spend a lot of time and energy trying to lose that incriminating accent. The thing that we take with us, of course, either way, whether we stay home or go far, the thing we can never escape is ourselves. Remember the sales pitch from Total Recall, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? In the film, Recall is a company that sells implanted memories of vacations that you can't actually afford to go on. Now they ask potential clients, what's the same about every vacation you've ever taken? You. You're always there, no matter where you go. And so since they're implanting fake memories anyway, they suggest that you let them implant a memory of you being a secret agent or a confident Casanova or something similar. The offer they make is the opportunity to take a vacation from yourself. And doesn't that sound wonderful? Isn't that what we're all really running from? Isn't that what you're really after, a new you? And I don't mean a new you like a diet would promise or like your New Year's resolutions hope for. I mean an actual new you. In our reading from John's Gospel this morning, Jesus goes to Galilee and calls Philip to follow him. And Philip apparently immediately runs to get Nathaniel and tells him that the one they've been waiting for, the Messiah foretold by Moses and the prophets, has come. He makes the mistake, though, of letting slip where Jesus is from, Nazareth. It's like finding a friend on the streets of New York and saying, you've got to come see this stand-up comedian. He's great. He's from Paducah. Your friend would say, well, I was going to come until you said he was from Paducah. Now forget it. And Nathaniel reacts in just the same way. Nazareth? That backwater? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. These words, come and see, are pregnant with hope. Hope in the face of doubt. Nathaniel's question for Philip, can anything good come from Nazareth, is a variation of the eternal human question, the question we all ask. We all assume that nothing good can come from Paducah or wherever it is that we're from, so we escape to New York. But the real question, the real question is much bigger than that and sticks with you even after you get to New York. Because remember, it's not just our hometowns from which we are trying to escape. We are so often trying to escape from ourselves. We ask ourselves all kinds of versions of this Nazareth question. Can anything good come out of blank? Can anything good come out of losing my job? Can anything good come out of someone that I loved turning their back on me? Can anything good come out of the way I seem to treat the people I'm supposed to care about? Can anything good come out of this life 
that I'm living right now. This life that traps us, pressures us, confines us, and ultimately kills us. But of course, all of these questions are just sidesteps around the really potent question underneath them all. Can anything good come out of me? That question, can anything good come from me, is a question that is often asked from a place of hopelessness. It's a recognition that our hearts, not just our hometowns, but our hearts are Nazareth. If Nathaniel thought that good things could come from Nazareth, there'd be no need for him to ask the question, right? He's sure that nothing good could come from there. And if we thought that something good might come from the terrible, intractable situations we find ourselves in, we wouldn't be wondering all the time, what good can possibly come of this? We're sure that none can. But to all of these questions, all of these hopeless Nazareth questions, Philip has words of hope. He says, come and see. This is entirely reminiscent of that story in John chapter 4 in which Jesus meets and rocks the world of a Samaritan woman at a well. He tells her things about herself that no man could know, that the fact that she's had five husbands and that she's now shacking up with a man who is not her husband. He names her sin and then offers her eternal life in the face of it. Waters welling up to eternal life. And what does she do? How does she respond? Well, she does exactly what Philip does after he meets Jesus. She runs and finds people to tell. Come and meet a man, she says, who told me everything I ever did. She begs the residents of her hometown. Come and see. But Nathaniel is hesitant. He's like us. He's a normal guy with a set of common sense expectations that he's operating from. He hasn't met Jesus yet. That meeting that, as we said last week at Epiphany, meeting Jesus will change everything forever. Nathaniel has not met Jesus. And so it makes sense to him that nothing good can come from a crummy little town like Nazareth. Good things come from cool, hip places. You could imagine someone from New York saying something like, can anything good come out of New Jersey? In fact, I don't have to imagine it. As a former New Jersey resident, I've heard those exact words. But the response for us is simple. Philip knows just what to say. Come and see. In other words, let me introduce you to Jesus. This, just by the way, is what we do here, week in and week out. Whether we're introducing you to Jesus for the first time, or reintroducing you to him time and time again, that's what this church is all about. Let us introduce you to Jesus. This is evangelism. 
But it's a special kind of evangelism that is aimed both at people who have never met Jesus, never heard the good news about him, and those who have forgotten it, even if you just forgot about it since last weekend, or last night, or 20 minutes ago. Bringing people who do not know or who need to be reminded, like every single one of us, into contact with Jesus Christ, Son of God. And it's in this contact, the coming face-to-face with Jesus Christ, that Nathaniel's question is answered with a resounding yes. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes. He goes with Philip, he meets Jesus, and he is in. His life is forever changed. Yes, good things can come out of Nazareth. In fact, that's how our God works. And it is good news indeed. It's good news, in fact, that is actually sourced in good news. You see how it works? It's, it's good news that God comes to places like Nazareth, but God comes to places like Nazareth because of the good news that he has come in Jesus Christ to save. The Nazareth principle, if you will, is just another way of saying what Jesus himself said, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came to call Not the righteous, he said, but sinners. Jesus comes to the emergency wards and death rows of this life. To the Nazareths, to the sinners, to the dead, to bring good news to them, to save. It is A meeting with this Jesus to which Philip, the Samaritan woman, and we invite you now. Come with us and see. So can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes, that's where God does his best work. And this is good news because it means that God can and does choose to work in people like us, like you, and like me. Not in the healthy, not in the righteous, not New Yorkers, not people who have successfully escaped from themselves. He comes to people in their sin, in their Nazareth, which of course includes New Yorkers. He comes, as Paul promises us in Romans chapter 5, even to people who are his enemies. The same Apostle Paul talks about the Nazareth work of God in his second letter to the Corinthians. Rather, he says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, genuine, yet regarded as impostors, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and not yet killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We, you and I, are the ones who are treated as impostors, 
who feel unknown by anyone around us, who are dying, beaten, and sorrowful, who are poor and have nothing. And yet, because God comes to Nazareth and becomes Jesus born out of Nazareth, we become the ones regarded by God on account of Jesus Christ as genuine, who are known by him, who are able in this knowledge to live on, rejoicing, and he says, possessing everything. The eternal riches of everlasting fellowship with Almighty God, yours, forever, for free. God doesn't come to Nazareth to make us New Yorkers. He comes to Nazareth to give us new hearts, to raise us from the dead. He comes to Nazareth to offer us new and everlasting life. See, the world wants to avoid Nazareth at all costs. It tells the unemployed to find a job. It tells the brokenhearted to move on, turn that frown upside down. It tells the poor to work harder. It tells the sorrowful to brighten up. Maybe then things will be okay. Maybe then things will work out. Maybe then you'll be worthy of love. The world says nothing good can come from these places. These places must be escaped. The world tells us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. It's why we work so hard to lose our small town accent, move to New York, and act like we've lived on the Upper East Side our whole lives. But we can't escape ourselves. The good news is that God comes to you. God comes to Nazareth. Remember the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, we might say, are the citizens of Nazareth, for they will be saved. The good news is that God knows you. He knows that you are a citizen of Nazareth. He knows that you're hungry you feel unknown, dying, beaten, sorrowful, poor, possessing nothing. He knows your sin, that you struggle to maintain healthy relationships. He knows that you try and fail to love him as we pray at the beginning with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He knows that you hurt those who love you. He knows that you're afraid. He knows that your heart is Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? But just like Jesus knew that woman at the well and named her sin, he knows you too. Your sins aren't ignored, not forgotten in the sense that we humans forget. God knows your heart. He knows your heart is Nazareth, and he knows it because he comes from there. Jesus is from Nazareth. Your sin and pain is God's hometown. 
So can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can such a life as yours be redeemed? We say, come and see. Let me introduce you to Jesus. He's from the same place you are. He was born, lived, and died as a human just like you. He knows your pain. As we close this morning, consider the story of Simeon, a lesser-known character in the scriptures. This is an old man described in Luke chapter 2. He had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, on this one particular day, a particular boy, Jesus, from Nazareth, was brought into the temple to be sanctified to the Lord. And Simeon, like Philip and the Samaritan woman after him, sees Jesus and knows who he is. He takes the child into his arms, praises God, and prays what the church has called the Song of Simeon. Lord, he says, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon has met Jesus. He recognizes him as God's salvation for sinners and now feels that he can die in peace that word the good news that god in christ has come to save sinners come to nazareth to save its residents you and me that word started to go out that day and is even now by the power of the holy spirit reaching out to the ends of the earth and down into the depths of your heart, week by week, day by day, hour by hour. Can God redeem your situation? Can he save you? Come and see. Confess your sins. Hear his forgiveness. Feast at his table. Feel and taste his sacrifice on your tongue. Almighty God knows you and knows where you're from. Can he save you? You'll find that in Christ he can and has. Amen.